Why don't you welcome everybody, Rich? Good afternoon, everybody, to episode 16 of the American Craftsman Podcast. I almost got it wrong again. <laughs> 220 Festivus Spectacular. I'm glad, I'm sure that everybody can't wait for this fucking year to end. <laughs> Excuse my French. But it's 220 has not been a favorable year. Yeah. For yeah a lot of people. 2020. 2020. <laughs> so that's all I got to say. Oh, I got one shout out. I have a, uh, a shirt that I got from a, a listener of ours. Uh, TGM... You can see that masonry construction. He's out of Point Pleasant. Mm. He loves the podcast. In fact, he wants to know what size shirt you guys wear. Well, he, me about, well, he, know, he must I, not listen that closely. Well, I don't think he. Yeah, I think he listened to it. I don't think he had the uh, the video when I was stock. doing the uh, the shirt stuff. Well, now we did mention yeah. it a couple of times. Rich got a sweatshirt. There. I got a sweatshirt, yeah, two man. tank tops, a uh, camo shirt. He, he gave me like six shirts. Well, we better cook up another and twelve. I should have brought the letter because he said he loved he loved the podcast and he wanted to know what sizes the other guys took. So oh, I wow. relayed that information to my wife and she's going to get get it to him. Nice, yeah, thanks yeah, for nice listening. Nice guy. Hey, thank uh, you. He's a mason. Does a lot of out out. Well, he does a lot of outdoor work, but uh, also uh, some pretty cool. Uh, I guess. Like structures, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, structures, structures, structural structure. Yes, I saw. yes, yeah, cool. Well, before so. we get too deep in, I got a little package back here. Oh, uh oh, is this does this have anything to do with Festivus? Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we have a Festivus pole right here. Yeah. For those of you uh, not watching, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, that's our Festivus pole. Yeah, it's supposed to be a little. What we got here in the bag? So you're gonna have to take your pick. I ordered these yesterday morning. Oh! <laughs> Here we go. They miraculously showed up. Yeah, you could be Santa. I'll be the elf. I'll be Rudolph. Well, these are definitely made in China. <laughs> Without a doubt. Or, <laughs> yep, made in Jinhua, China. That human hair? That's, the that's genuine human hair. It doesn't really fit. Yeah, why are these so small? Well, I'm going to have to change it to a different one. <laughs> For those of you listening, <laughs> you've definitely missed out. Yeah. Oh, there uh, you go. <laughs> that one looks Cow- like it's too big. Cowboy oh, Santa. Cowboy Santa. So Rob's got on the reindeer antlers. Did that fit your head? I got an elf hat on, and Rich went from Santa to Cowboy Santa. Is it for your head? Yeah. I have a bigger head. Fit better than that hat you had on a couple minutes ago? No, no. That one, that other one was. So happy Festivus and Merry Christmas, everybody. So, introductions bring us to Beer of the Week. You know, busted open. I I go in to get uh, the beer of the week, and uh, Jeff's driving. I give the most vague clues as to what I picked up. And this guy's got like a, a mind meld on me. <laughs> I can't say anything without him figuring something out. It's, 
bugs me a little bit. I guess a Christmas present just by looking at the box. <laughs> I don't have to pick it up. <laughs> Look what we got here. Oh, yep. it's not a Samuel Adams, Samuel Smith. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's I a Samuel it. Smith. You said old brewery, so I yeah. immediately Yeah, it's Samuel Smith Old Brewery and um it's a pure brewed organic lager. Oh, organic. I'm, I'm guessing Rich is going to like. Mm. And they, they say it's, it's nice they're and the, cold. Yeah, they're the oldest brewery in York or Yorkshire. That would be a nice shirt, that organic symbol. Yeah, yeah. Um, what if they got swag? I'm a big fan of the Winter Welcome, Samuel Smith Winter Welcome. Yeah. It's got like a gold foil top. I never even heard of it. I searched Samuel Adams. I never yeah. heard of Samuel Smith. Yeah. They so they uh they had they had several there. Mm-hmm. This is the one that appealed to me. I like the little glass. I like the the logo on there and the colorful label bottle. It's tall too. Yeah. Well, let's crack her open. Yeah. We got our uh official bottle opener. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, Keith, how you doing? I uh, yeah. haven't heard from you. I didn't see anything in uh, Instagram, Instagram or anything. How your uh, the shoulders, s- mm. so- shoulders doing? Smells great. Serve cool, not yeah. cold. Oh, it does smell good. Cheers. Salud. Happy Festivus. The Festivus for the rest of us. Mm. Tadcaster. That's good. I do like me some Samuel Smith. Mm, I'm gonna have to pick this up. That's nice. Is that a? Is that a? Well, I guess we can't give it away. No, we can't away. give it away. So that we're going on right onto the tool of the week. Well, that's, that's you, Jeffrey. Yep. A lot of you guys are gonna be shocked by this tool of the week. It's uh, not something I ever expected to feature on tool of the week, but. It's the Veritas. <laughs> that that's full size. I don't even know what they're calling this. The mini. It's a keychain. Mini square. <laughs> that Rob just happened to uh, pick up one for for Rich and I. That that was that was my gift to the man. Yeah. And that wasn't even a gag gift. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a real gift. No, all jokes aside. Um, you know, <laughs> what can, can I say? say? What can I say? I mean, it's a nice little piece of aluminum, nice little square. I, I don't see what I'm going to use it for. I'll try and use it, but <laughs> you, you know, we got to make sure when Hunter comes by, that thing's a choking hazard. At yeah. That oh Lord. <laughs> see, I kind of live by like the Alton Brown. Uh, if, if you guys... You know, watch cooking shows. You might know this guy, Alton Brown. He has this thing against what he calls unitaskers. Um, so I keep a double square in my apron, which you can use for lots of different things. This, to me, kind of seems like a one-trick pony, but it's a it's a nice little square. I'll use it for something, but it's it'll uh, it'll be sitting on the shelf and yeah, it's a clever little thing. I suppose if if you had a, a desk job and you like a woodworker on uh, the weekends or something. You might like that on your desks to remind you of being a woodworker. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to misplace that 
<laughs> no. I already lost mine. They <laughs> <laughs> had to spray paint it orange. Yeah. Black is, yeah, wasn't black. the best choice, Veritas. <laughs> you couldn't Maybe. put it in your bib because you no. lose it in the bib. You couldn't yeah. get it out. You couldn't fish it out of the bottom of the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so on, a string to it. On to the real tool of the week. <laughs> this uh, caught my eye over on my bench. Most of the time, these are my truck, but I, uh, I had them in here because we were doing some work that required them. These are Collins clamps, uh, also known as miter clamps, spring clamps. So essentially, if you're watching and you're not sure what they are, it's a um, a piece of hard wire yeah. that's uh, bent in a way, you know, has two sharp points that touch, bent in a way that you can open it up and you can use it to clamp. Uh, miter's closed. Yeah, wire almost like the size of a coat hanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually sort of that kind of material, but it's clearly, you know, um, hardened in a way that allows it to be more like a spring. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you use these special pliers to open them up. You can use them on crown molding. I mean, they're sharp. You can use them on crown molding, casing, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I used these when we were building the window grills mm-hmm. to, oh, yeah. uh, you know, assemble those, that mitered sort of frame. Um, I found other uses. You can actually hold, like, if you had to glue two pieces of material together, like an edge or something, you could actually use it to clamp that. And it just leaves these little pinholes. Um, yeah, we used it on the fireplace mantle moldings. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice for pre-assembly. That's usually what I use them for, like to pre-assemble stuff and not have to put any nails in it. Uh, let the glue dry, take these off, and... In stain grade, you can't even see the holes, really, because no. the wood's hard enough that the, the holes remain very small. And then in paint grade, um, you know, it's just a small little hole to fill. Better than trying to fill something after it's painted, trying to nail something together on site. Yeah. It, uh, it's always best, I think. It's like to, third hand. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. It is. Keep your fingers clear if it's going to slip off because you don't want to get bit by these. They, it's a pretty strong spring. Yeah. Uh, Collins Tool Company. I think they're... Uh, does that say Ohio? Plain might, City, Ohio, yeah. Collins Tool Company. They also make the Collins Coping Foot for jigsaws, which yeah. is another thing they're famous for. But check them out. Great tool for installs, carpenters. They're good on inside corners too, like when you the do backside. The yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, check them out. You can see I got twenty four of them on here. <laughs> That's not counting those some that have been left on jobs. <laughs> no, no. I'm paranoid. So every time I leave, I count all 24 make sure they're there. I keep them on like a carabiner. All so, right. yeah, Collins clamps. Great tool. That's a game changer, I think. Yeah, yeah. I never really used them until I met you guys. It's one of those things where I'd be on site and I'd be using them. And somebody would say, man, what are those? Where'd you get those? I'm like, you've never heard of Collins clamps? Yeah. They're one of those little things that could fly under the radar. Yeah, and they're relatively cheap. Uh, made in the USA, so. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of made in the USA, I got to do a, a little bit of a shout out to a 1620. Yeah. I'm um, wearing some new work pants. Uh, made in the USA. The In fact, the fabric is woven in the USA. Everything's... USA, um, they say they're guaranteed for life. This is day one in them. I crawled around on the floor before working on the joiner. Um, 
shot off uh, the dust with the compressor. They, they look pretty good. I could I could walk into a client's home after brushing myself off. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty psyched about finding this company. You should check them out. They are uh, looking through the catalog. It's nice stuff. Yeah. All right, sixteen twenty. That, that brings us to uh, the gripe of the week. You got uh, one? I, I got one. I mean, we have a guest gripe as well. Yeah. But uh, my gripe of the week is um, it's longer than a week. It's longer than a week. Uh, my gripe is daylight savings time. <laughs> I am not a fan of this setting the clocks back an hour. I just don't like it. Today is the 23rd, you know, Festivus. Official Festivus Day, and it's it's what the the second shortest day. I mean, I guess uh, it's tied because there's one on either side of the solstice. Well, the third, the twenty first yeah. is the yeah. So I, I I don't I you know I don't like the the darkness at four thirty. Well, the the time of light doesn't change, so it's I, still going to be the third shortest day of the year, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I know, but I I don't like the time when it's <laughs> short like that. So it would be. I'm still waking up an hour earlier than I used to because I haven't adjusted. Wouldn't it be getting dark at like at like three thirty though? No, no. Or, or no, it'd be dark at five thirty. Spring ahead, fall back. Spring forward, fall back. Yeah. yeah. So fall, it just went back. Yeah. So if it's four thirty now, that means it was five thirty. Yeah, that's the way it should be. But it wouldn't it be super dark in the morning. So what? But they did it for the school kids. To get on the school buses so they don't have to be standing out there in the dark. I think it was originally for farming. Yeah, yeah. it was. Kids. That's why there was summer break, too. Because that's when the harvest happened. So they would stop school. The kids would help on the farm with the, I don't know what harvest, I guess corn mostly. Yeah. yeah. Um, get them to do that now. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So let's get rid of daylight savings. I'd like to know if anybody's in favor of daylight savings. Tell me. I'm indifferent. Yeah, I, I can go either way. <laughs> I'm definitely opposed. Bigger fish to fry. That's what <laughs> All I right. So this is a special week because we have a guest gripe. Yeah. Yeah, we welcome the guest gripe. What you got there? Who wants to read the guest gripe? This is from uh, X Crockett X on Reddit who uh, fell in love with the podcast. He... Um, Answer her. He, uh, I put a thing on Reddit asking for questions and he, uh, submitted his question and then now he's blazing through and listening to all the episodes. So, uh, his gripe is Craig pocket hole drivers suck. They wear out quickly and the replacement set is cheap too. 350 ish at Lowe's and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I don't like any of those big box store driver bits. They're soft. Yeah. They're cheap for a reason. I wonder why they're, where they're made. Yeah. What do you think? I can't think. I can't think either. Me neither. CE? Uh, I like like German or Czech, the the Weiras, the Philos. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Even the uh, the good Makita bits are good. Um. So yeah, hey, I can I can re- relate and agree. Yeah. Well, at least they're cheap, so you can you can buy another one when it wears out. I know. Well, but I mean, that's, I guess that kind of makes you get in that crazy cycle, though. You're buying something because it's cheap and it's handy. It's available at the store. But then you find yourself cursing when it, it runs out. 
I don't know anybody else who sells the pocket hole. Uh, that long one. Drivers. Yeah. The drills. I don't know. He's talking about the driver, I think. Just a long, that long a long number two. Yeah, it's a six inch. Really? I've never had a problem with a button. Uh, uh, getting bad, going bad. We have those, uh, like that red one. That comes from uh, McFeely's. Mm. All those color-coded ones. That's different. You notice how that one's built. It's the, the tip it's, is a different metal than the body yeah, and the shaft. Yeah. So I guess the tip is probably harder so that it, it has less tendency to strip out. He should try one of those. Yeah. It's, it's just, in fact, I bet it's cheaper. It's just you have to order it online. Right. Yeah, go to KC Tool and just filter out <clears throat> to Phillips 2, 6-inch, and there's probably yeah half a dozen yeah, different brands. Square drive, everything. Yeah, and just to get a six inch long shaft. All right, on to the questions. We got a lot of questions this week. The last one's a real doozy. It's long. <laughs> I didn't. It's I didn't good, get up to that point. It's a good question, though. <laughs> you want to read the first question, Rich? Yes. Do you have any insight or opinion on the Inkra five thousand? Crosscut sled. I know you opted for the Sawstop crosscut setup. How do you think they compare? If you had a choice to buy one or the other, which would it be? This is from AP on YouTube. Hmm. I don't know much about the Inkra 5000 until what I looked up today. And to tell you the truth, if you're doing small work, cutting small picture frames and things like that. I could see it uh, working good for that. But if you're doing big pieces, I think I would rather have the uh, Sawstop cross cut set up because it's very versatile. It also handled cutting plywood, which was basically what we use it for. That's a great point as far as yeah. the size and of the And we do work. have yeah. another, we do have one laying around. There. I don't know what brand it is. Is that the Rockler one? one? Yeah, the, that was made by Jessam, I believe. Yeah, yeah and that, that serves its purpose well. But yeah. to me, based on even based on the price, I don't know. I, I, I think it's more like a hobbyist type of, uh, I don't mean to be cruel about it, but that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think they're totally different. Um, yeah. They have totally different applications. The, uh, the saw stop is great for straight, um, cross cuts on door material, face frame material, stuff like that. And it, it really shines with plywood because um, of the capacity. The Incra, I actually, I didn't look it up, but if it's the one I'm thinking of, it kind of looks like a like a shop-built cross-cut sled. It has yeah, like a, it's like two a, pieces that yeah, slide yeah. into my, my um, slots. I've seen it. It's nice. I know like Mark uh, Wood Whisperer uses one, I believe. Um, but they're two totally different things. If I had to pick one, I'm going to pick the saw stop because you can do most of what you can do on the Incra on the saw stop, but not vice versa. So Yeah. Uh, I like the the angle setting stuff on the Incra. And again, if I was doing a bunch of angles and odd angles and different things like that, I could see having the Incra. I mean, it rides in the slot, which I'm not a big fan of. I, I like the ball bearing glides and, and everything on the on the saw stop, but changing the angle on the fence isn't as fast as like, you know, our little Jessam Rockwell yeah, yeah. thing. Um, so I could see having it 
uh, you know, but for one, there are two totally different things, but at totally different prices. I mean, the saw stop thing is everybody know those things are very costly. Yeah, uh, they're well worth it, but 12, they're expensive. Twelve hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, and what's and, the Inca? Four hundred? Yeah, a little yeah. less, a little less. Yeah, you're not going to cut a twenty-four inch deep yeah. piece of plywood on the no. Inca. Yeah. And it's not made for that. It depends on what you do because we don't really deal with angles a lot. If you're making segmented bowls or something, yeah, the anchor yeah. is going to be way better. Um, but for general cabinet work, you know, rectangular cabinet boxes and face and frames and doors, stock. yeah, it um, yeah. there's no way it would be near as good on no. sheet stock. So. It'd be nice to have, but all right. So I hope that answers your question. For it's our opinion for what it's worth. Take yeah. with a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we got here uh, from Matt Tobacco Barn Craftsman on Instagram Long time listener, first time caller If you had the space to build a shop and weren't limited on room How big would you build? <laughs> <laughs> would we be limited on cost too? Or uh, unlimited? Let's uh, theoretically say, yeah, no budget, no uh, size constraints Oh yeah, then I don't know, 20,000 Square feet. I, I'd love to have something where, like, you could have a basketball hoop on one end where, you know, you have your canteen and things like that, um, where you actually could drive the forklift around on the inside of the building. Um, I, I wouldn't want to sacrifice anything on space. I Because you could always bring the tools in in little work pods. Yeah. You know, you could, you could make that happen within a big space um and then you know you separate the finishing areas i don't want to take all the good easy low-hanging fruit but go ahead i mean there's so many variables if if i'm putting all cost and everything out <laughs> yeah. there like overhead costs and that uh i mean being realistic i think something like 50 by 100 would yeah. be a great size um, that way you can have an area to store like right now all of our storage and lumber storage is is they're in separate sheds essentially yeah. um so to be able to bring that inside have a forklift to move material and then have a good workflow you know from one you know from one end of the shop around the perimeter back out the door basically uh you know dedicated space for finishing office space i think uh 50 by 100 is probably good yeah because if you have to think about heating and cooling it like we do right that's what i why i'm saying throw all that out the window yeah, I mean, even that's like reasonable. Fifty by hundred, you can right, get away. Then with. you're into warehouse space, like yeah, I'm talking about. Twenty thousand square feet is that's a lot of overhead. Yeah, yeah what's fifty some... by a hundred? Five thousand. Uh, sounds right. Yeah, that's that's basically like taking five more of these shops and like going over one. Sit well, yeah, yeah. six almost. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. We could each have two shops to ourselves. Depends on how many employees you got too. You don't want to be in a shop where you gotta call somebody on the telephone just to ask them a question. Take a golf cart. No, I'm not into I'm not into those big spacey shops. I'd rather have a nice big barn type environment. Uh, just my preference. I like the uh, cozy. Yeah, I like that. I just like it that way. If I had a, a choice. You could put a barn on this whole property. It'd probably be nice size and get an upstairs to it too for Ooh, storage. Yeah. It would be nice. With a couch. So how big are you saying though? 
I don't know. It says double, triple this, what this size is, and have something on top. All right. That's about the same size as Jeff's talking about, only on two floors instead of one. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for storage on top. All right. I like that. That's what I would do. Uh, What about uh, you, Matt? How big or small or in the middle would you like your shop to be? All right. I'll read the next one. In the Green Street Joinery family, who would prevail during the feats of strength? (laughs) Brian, known as... B unit 27 on Instagram. <laughs> uh, no one, Brian. Uh, everybody's out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I can think of. I think you got, I got you guys on age alone. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not a sprint or anything like that. The only thing that uh, ever comes up that uh, I can uh, command any kind of respect for is tightening the clamps. Mm. That's true. <laughs> yeah, Rob's got the hand, the hand strength down. <laughs> I think it's genetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave it there. Yeah, the so I guess, yeah, so I guess the only one I could I would say then is Rob. Yeah. As long as it, the feet the feet was tightening a clamp. Or opening that, a jar. Yeah. So you had to see him the one time he tried to do some pull-ups. Yeah, the pull-up bar is mysteriously gone now. Yeah, and it was yeah. it was pretty we, uh we took it down. It was, it was so funny, humiliating. It was pretty funny. We had uh, to take it in. <laughs> That's going to be a highlight for the end of the year, yeah, it's a, highlights. It's a good thing we didn't have that on film. Yeah. That, that would have been a lot to live down. Oh, my God. Oh. You got this next one, Rich? Yeah. Where am I now? Oh, when we're all free to move about the cabin, what are some of the best conventions to go to for all line of work? Oh, the, oh like woodworking conventions. Uh, that depends. This is from Brad from Blue Fig Artisan on Instagram. Uh, it depends on the convention. I, I think going to something like KBIS, it was nice to go to. I don't think we need to go again. Uh, it was more kitchen oriented, uh, not woodworking oriented per se. Yeah, uh, pre-made I'd, cabinet stuff like that. I'd rather go to a woodworking show. I know some of those can be pretty lame, uh, but there are there are various uh, suppliers out there that do sponsor some conventions. Uh, I think Builders General has some kind of little show here and there. That's yeah. one of our suppliers yeah. around here. But yeah, you just go to the woodworking shows again. I know it's it's the golf show in particular has gotten worse and worse each year. Because it's the same stuff, and I'm assuming the woodworking shows are like that too. Unless you go to a woodworking show that's sponsored by uh, a known, not not that traveling woodworker show that goes on, but oh, sometimes yeah. they have specific shows that all the vendors go to, like the plywood vendors and things like that. Yeah, there's that big one in Atlanta every year. Yeah. We have, you know, there's like the local ones that we get up here at. That's right. I'm thinking that one. At, uh, yeah, I've been to one of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are kind of rinky dink. I feel like. I mean, I've yeah. I've never been to a, like a, a woodworking convention. We went to KBIS and IBS, which is that's more like builders. Yeah, and design and, and there's designers. designers there. Yeah. Um, I'd say that yeah, that's probably not really worth the trip. 
it was a fun trip, but um, not not too uh, woodworking oriented or really at all. Um, but yeah, like Rich said, look for the big, big woodworking shows. They're, yeah, the uh, one. Yeah, the, the, the names yeah. are escaping I, me the, right uh, now. Is it IWF? Uh, International Woodwork Show. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's IWS. They they canceled it this year, I believe. Yeah. Well, yeah. go to those. Go to those little ones. You know, yeah. see what they're like. Yeah, you can find some good tools there. When you, you went, we sent you to uh, the Makers Show, right? It was uh, Workbench Con. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was interesting. I definitely learned uh some good stuff. Workbench Con, for those of you that don't know, it's um. How do they sort of uh, classify it? It's for, I hate to say this, but it's for like influencers and content creators. The influencer, I just, it's like a seedy kind of dirty word, it feels yeah. like. Um, but for content creators, people that um, create content, they, you know, and it's specifically in the, it's more DIY focused. A lot of these people aren't professional woodworkers, they're um, part time DIY content creators. Um, but there was some good information there for yeah. If you're clean. yeah, if you're looking to um, you know grow your social media and get into you know maybe creating some content, I would suggest going. I definitely learned some stuff. I, I you know opened my eyes to some different things or some good information. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, patting oneself on the back there <laughs> to put it nicely. Self con- congratulatory. Folks. Yeah. And, uh, some big egos and stuff, but, uh, all in all, it was worth the trip. I think it's, what was it? Three days, four days yeah. in, in Atlanta. Um, so it was good. I mean, I, I think it, it definitely paid dividends that trip. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I can't really add anything as far as those shows. I mean, I don't know any, anything different um brad the blue fig i i love the stationery the logo yeah thanks for the pencils again um and i love a fig we used to you know we grew up with fig trees we they were purple in our neck of the woods yeah isn't that what color figs are yeah but he's his oh blue fig fig. oh yeah i wonder if that's what they call them down there maybe yeah i forget where where (coughs) brad is located yeah we we had them in the backyard. We'd have more figs than you could eat. Those were the good days. Yeah, I tried growing a a, a little sapling. <laughs> it didn't make it. The squirrels will get to it before you get to eat any. Yeah, I don't have the green thumb. <laughs> Here's another good one from Nathan Tree Life Woodworking on Instagram. What signs do you look for to know a customer is not someone you want to work with? Oh God. I'd say first off is a um, overly, overly adamant about budget. Um, somebody that's uh, unwilling to give you a budget is um, always looking to cut little things to get the cost down. Uh, a lot of times, even if you can get it, you know, into a job, it's just a sign that that this person is a pain basically. Yeah, that I'll piggyback off that. That's that's what I look for and it's just something you walk in and you see somebody that you realize you couldn't be uh in the same room with them for too long. We have to work with our clients. It's not like they're going into a store and picking something off a shelf. 
So if I get the impression that we're not going to be able to have a productive relationship, it's something that is a big red flag for me. It, it, I can't make any snap decisions. And, you know, because as the, the, the seller in this relationship, we always have to kind of take the back seat and defer and, and be gracious and everything. But if it starts to feel uncomfortable, uh, then, you know, it's, it's not the right business relationship either. Yeah. What do you think, Rich? Yeah, I think that's, I, I agree with both both you guys on that. Sometimes it's also a gut feeling uh, when you meet somebody. Uh, nine times out of ten, it, it winds up being true. But then again, if you start to talk to somebody, you can kind of get a feel for who they are and what they want and whether they're going to be uh, a pain in the neck. And we've had our share of customers that we've worked with, uh, well, they yeah, demanding been. is one thing, but yeah. that's that's okay. That's what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like Rich said, a lot of times it's just a gut feeling. You get a certain vibe from a person. You know, we we hey, sometimes you got to take a job, but we lo- we want to like our customers and yeah, we we're lucky generally. Yeah, in that regard. Well, we said it to um, some recent clients that came in a couple weeks ago. We tend to attract a certain type of client because of the type of work we do. And yeah. um, so if you're like a shitty person, typically <laughs> you don't appreciate. <laughs> you're not looking for us. Either. No. So and we're not looking for you. <laughs> so trying to attract the right customers, first of all, yeah, that'll help yeah. weed out the bad ones. Um, right. I think like our mission statement, things like that. Yeah. It's sort of like what that's exactly what attracted me to 1620. Mm-hmm. You know, I type in work clothes, work, pants, la, la, la. And uh, I read these guys, what they're all about. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Let me, uh, let me spring for these pants and see what they're all about. So what's next? What's your opinion on hand saws? So this is, this is in your guy's wheelhouse. Japanese or Western brands, uses. And this is being asked by Adam from Far Out Woodworks who's on Instagram and a patron. Thanks, Adam. Ah, thank you. Uh, I, you know, I don't use them often. And the, the do the two saws that I have used the most are Western saws. I had those, those Sheffield saws once like a little kind of inexpensive gent saw. And I kind of use that till it's ruined. And then I have just one with a strong back. Uh, they, they might call it like a dovetail saw even because, um, you know, it's great for cutting straight lines in, in short bursts. It's got a pretty thick kerf on it compared to the Japanese saws I've used, but, um, I do like it. I like the way it feels. I like how heavy it is and it's, it's what I'm used to like growing up with the Western thing. Although, uh, you know, using the Japanese saws are, are fun too. Yeah, I have mostly Japanese saws. I and I like uh Gyokucho is the brand, G Y O K U C H O. Um that was the first nice sort of hand saw I got was the 372, which is what they call a dovetail saw. So it's a back saw um with it has very fine teeth, but they're suitable for rip cuts so you can cut um dovetails. 
Um, but recently I got the Lee Nielsen dovetail saw, tapered dovetail saw, and I do like that. I haven't gotten a lot of time to use it. Um, what I like about the Western saw is that it's easier to correct yourself if you start to get off a course because it does have a thicker blade. Um, the Japanese saw is going to want to flex and it's not going to want to go back, yeah. you know, toward you start going off your line. You're not going to really be able to correct that cut, um, which, you know, that's that's user error. <laughs> Ideally, you don't go off off your line. That's, that's um, the <laughs> yeah, the Western saw is much more aggressive. Um, yeah. compared to most of my Japanese saws, I have like the Ryobo, which is a double side. One side has a very coarse, uh, ripped tooth. So that, that cuts very fast. Um, yeah, so I'm, I mean, I like all hand saws, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to stick with Japanese cause I know a little better at this point. Yeah. 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 I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Japanese, uh, saws. I like it on the pull stroke like that. I think it's easier to cut with. Yeah. Versus the uh, Western saws. Yeah, you got a rack of them. Yeah, I've had some olds I've had for a long time. In fact, in an emergency, I actually cut tree branches with it. I wound up ruining it, but... Yeah, that's how I got introduced to the Japanese-style saw. is like a, a pull saw that's used for, like, cutting... For pruning. Bran- yeah, well, yeah, um, for cutting branches and stuff like that, like if they fall or whatever. Um, and it's amazing how fast they cut. Yeah. 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 We yeah, have, it's a different different setup. Yeah, I think it was called bear a bear tooth saw or something mm-hmm. was the brand. Yeah. So, um, oh, what about uses? Yeah, cutting things. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't cut tree branches. You kind of yeah. own it that we way. We usually use it for notching things out. Yeah, any job yeah. small cuts or out. even like if you just need to cut something real quick for yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's perfectly square and somebody's on the table saw or something really small that you're afraid to cut on the chop saw because it's going to freaking fly yeah. across the room. I cut those moldings uh when we were installing the mantle, those those small Oh yeah, we did all the uh, all on site with just like a little bit of uh drawing a line. Yeah. <laughs> Because they were small, so yeah, yeah, you know, you could you could pretty much get a forty-five. I used to make hands. like a little forty-five miter uh, box, basically, mm-hmm. for my Japanese saw when I would punch list out doing shoe molding on jobs as a finished carpenter. Yeah. If I had to do a little bit of shoe molding, I would just use that because you could bring it inside. Oh, yeah. You could cut right next to where you're working. Made just a small amount of dust. Yeah, that's. I mean, ideally, I would have had those snips, but right. You know what they say? Yeah, I'm not going to say it. oh let's talk clamps pipe clamps versus parallel clamps most panels we're gluing up are six quarter with gusts up to ten quarter we've only used pipe clamps are we missing out this is from brad also from blue fig you know brad first off i gotta say uh the the phraseology is is great Gusts up to 10 quarter. And I wanted to mention the last one. Uh, when we're about all, the cabin. Yeah, moving about the cabin. That, like those it. are great. Yeah. Yeah, he's got quite a way with words. Are we missing out? I think this is a resounding <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning you guys are missing out. Yeah, uh, Brad, you're missing out. Yeah, you got to go with parallel clamps. You'll never go back to no. clamps and pipe clamps. Never, ever. And I think pipe clamps probably get less effective as you get thicker and thicker yeah. because there's less of a reference surface. Yeah, they'll pull to that side. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. So if you're clamping up 10 quarter with pipe clamps, 
You got to do them on the top and the bottom. Yep. Um, you know, I still, I'll still alternate clamps with the parallel clamps because, you know, they will pull a little bit. Um, and sometimes your wood isn't, you know, your jointed edge might not be perfectly dead 90 to get a perfectly flat surface. So I like to alternate them just to uh, prevent any potential problems. Um, I mean, we have, we have zero pipe clamps inside the shop. We yeah. have a couple in the shed, but yeah. we're like 10 foot lengths and things like that. Yeah. And, but we really hadn't had to use them either. No, no, we have the connectors now for the Bessies. So, which the Bessie is pushing those hard right now. Yeah. I see all these, uh, influencers <laughs> showing them Did on there. Did you see that DeWolf came out with a, uh, parallel, parallel plant? plant? Yeah. Really? Probably sucks. Yeah, all of the latecomers, they've paled, haven't they? I mean... Yeah, remember that Irwin at Tom's oh shop? Oh, my God, <laughs> wow. that thing sucked. Those Jorgensons are okay. They're, They're just, just too heavy. heavy. Yeah, very heavy. Um, is there any other clamp that we've tried, like a parallel clamp that's been... I've seen, I was talking about Wood, uh, Wood Whisperer before, but Mark uses the Jet parallel clamps they're very close to the bestie as far as their design aren't yeah they? i don't know how much they cost or i've never used them but because I mean, they're red aren't they yeah yeah they look i mean pretty similar they look closer to the uh jorgensons i think than the mm. bessies but i mean go bessie it's the tried and true yeah. yeah when you're buying clamps for the most part just buy a bessie <laughs> yeah. you yeah. don't skimp no. not that bad in price you no. can sometimes find some good deals yeah no, i don't I mean, I'm always looking for them used, but you hardly ever see them. Yeah. Yeah, some popped up recently, but they got bought up real quick. Yeah. All so, right, yeah, Brad. get yourself some uh, nice Bessie clamps. I got some some uh, sets on our Amazon affiliate shop. Yeah, check it go out. Check them out. Oh, more, more questions about uh, choice of uh, equipment here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is table saw blades, forest combo, fraud combo. Are those new Amanas? This is from Brian from RJC Wood on Instagram. Uh, we talked about this in pretty much in depth uh, with table saw blades. Uh, we stick with the forests. I don't know anything about the Amanas. I had a Freud a long time ago. It was okay. Um, but most of it we stick with, with a, or Rigid. Rigid puts out a nice saw blade now. In comparison to the uh, forest, yeah, rich carbon, rich carbon, yeah, yes, yeah. not rigid, rigid. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if rigid makes blades. Yeah, they probably do. Who do you think makes that saw stop blade? Um, I don't know. We sent our blades the the forest and the ridge. We sent it off for sharpening to yeah to ridge carbide. Um, and so we put the stock saw stop blade in this table saw and it was it was all right there for a while we kind of <laughs> there was ran an incident it, ran into a nail <laughs> luckily it didn't set off the saw stop yeah it was an incident yeah it's not um, cutting as nice now but uh definitely a decent blade the carbide's not as big like the teeth aren't as big and beefy as mm -hmm. like the forest or the ridge carbide but um I mean, perfectly fine for what we're doing right now. We're not working on a actively yeah. working on a and project. And the combo so. blade is our preference. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had to pick out of those, I'm picking Forest, Amana. I have uh, limited use with those. Freud. I've never used the Industrial. Some people swear by them. 
Um, I've only used like the Diablo stuff, which I think totally sucks. Yeah. Um, I know Amana does make, you know, nice router bits and um, from what I understand, some nice saw blades too. So, yeah, we, we had a couple of Freuds in circulation that we sold, you know, when I put together that pack. Yeah, those were like Diablos, I yeah, think. Yeah, those were um, like uh, from the home store. Yeah, yeah. When you yeah, needed Diablo. something. But the one thing about those, I would send them to get sharpened. And although they don't last long, they don't hold the edge, they would be like razor sharp. Yeah. Like just as good for... You know, about three days, and then that's it. Here's the thing. If if you buy a blade and it has what they call like a anti-friction coating or something yeah. on it, <laughs> no. don't buy it. Run away. <laughs> the plate of the blade should never touch the work. If yeah. it does, it means your yeah. blade is wobbling like hell. Yeah. So that's all marketing BS. Yes. Um, That's why the teeth are wider than the, right, blade, yeah, the because body of the blade. Otherwise, it would bind up on every cut. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's good information to pass out there because it, it's common sense once you say it, but you might not think of it right off the bat. Yeah. Um, you might think that that thing is, is spinning through the wood, but it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it does touch sometimes, but, yeah, but it shouldn't a lot. <laughs> right. Here's a good one. This is from a, an anonymous submitter. Who is the most handsomest carpenter on Instagram? <laughs> Gee, I don't know, Anonymous. I don't really troll Instagram to see how good looking the carpenters are there. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. If I had to vote, I'm gonna say Tim from True Trade Carpentry. Yeah, that's probably I I can't see any argument against that. You know, there is uh, uh there is John Peters. That's true. I wouldn't I don't know if I would call John a carpenter though, he's more of a woodworker. Yeah. yeah. There's also, was it Dave, DWS Remodeling in yeah. Uh, yeah. Frisco? Yeah, that's true. We we know a couple of quite handsome uh, carpenters out there. You're all equally beautiful to us. Yes. Yeah, because we look on the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all you shitheads stay away. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> we got another one here from Brian, RJC Wood on Instagram. Pointers for getting lumber with prices so high now. What's the best route for a small shop? Yeah. Uh, honestly, we haven't seen an increase in our prices, Brian. We just... Uh, They've gone down in a couple of instances, haven't they? Uh, yeah. I think I mean, cherry, cherry is actually down since the last time we bought it. Yeah. Uh, we just got 450 board feet, and it was 1500 bucks delivered. So do the math. Yeah. Yeah. There's got to be some small lumber supplies uh, around by your area. I mean, you can't go to places like O'Shea, uh, Holt and Bigby, or places like that because you're not buying quantity. But if you're looking for small quantities, we have a, a place up in uh, Paulin, New Jersey, South Amboy. Uh, I don't have to mention the name, but it's uh, it's they sell rough lumber. Not they still rough rough lumber anymore. Who? Ward and Beam? No. Uh, Monteith? Monteith. That's not in South Amboy. Poland. Poland area. It's in Old Bridge. Old Bridge, yeah. It's in that close. Yeah. Yeah. It's up north from here. From here, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they sell lumber. They used to sell a lot of rough lumber in the day. Yeah. Now they, they're they selling a lot of uh, S4S 
lumber, uh, but they sell red oak, not, not white oak in S4S, but poplar, a cherry, a walnut, sapili. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the natives. They have and the they, they carry too. some exotic woods, woods too. But the, yeah. yeah, I don't know where you live, so they might be far and in between. I think he's uh, in Long Island. See, the problem with a place like Monty's is because they're small, they have to have higher prices. So yeah. I, yeah. I would say try and go to these big... A bigger place like we use O'Shea as an example because that's who we get our wood from. It's going to be too far for you, but you can drive out to one of these big wood distributors yeah. and pick up the wood. You don't have to get a quantity of three hundred board feet. Um, you know, we're getting our our lumber for half the price of what Monteith is selling it for exactly. because they're buying it from a place like we're buying it from. That's that's the point I was going to make. That a lot of these places where you can pick up small quantities, they're getting it from the distributor. And so they're going to mark it up, and it's it's not going to be, you know, at a bargain price. I, it, and it sits around, yeah. doesn't move, um, um, so the quality is probably not going to be as good. I got a couple of ideas. Maybe it, one is the thing that Jeff said: see if there's some place around that you can get to. Even if you got to rent a trailer or something like that, it, it might be worth the trip. Um, see if there are other guys, other small shops in the area. Maybe you want to combine an order. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've done this on occasion where somebody doesn't use a lot of hardwood will come to us and, and we'll just sell them some wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, you want to uh, jump on a lumber order? I mean, we don't have any plans in the in the immediate future. If you're only out on Long Island, it's an hour and a half drive. Yeah. Let us know. Maybe we could work something out. Yeah. So network. Is I guess the best way to yeah. summarize that network. See what's out there and see what you can get going, so that you can get your hands on some good wood at some good prices. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Oh yeah, yeah. We looked for a long time. It took yeah. us a couple months. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right. We're we're on the second page now. These questions. Yeah, let me read this one because I had to actually ask. Uh, this is from Michael. He is... Because I don't have a clue what he's asking. Cranabitha Workshop on Instagram. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, he's asking, what are your thoughts on using the plastic sink bases when otherwise building custom? So I reached out to clarify. I wasn't exactly sure what he meant. Um, so you can buy basically a plastic, I'm assuming it's PVC or something like that, uh, base cabinet for a sink base uh, so that if you have a leak in the plumbing or or some sort of household chemical that spills, it doesn't ruin the cabinet. Um, so he's asking, how do you integrate that into a custom kitchen? Um, and what our thoughts are on, you know, that practice in general. So uh, we none of us had ever heard of this. No, before. me neither. Um, I've heard of out, outdoor PVC cabinets. Yeah. And we've all built... Um, for commercial restaurants, cabinets made out of starboard, which is, what is that, HDML? HDPE. HDPE, HTML. <laughs> Hypertext. <laughs> yeah. And, On um, Snapchamp. Yeah. Instagram, Instabook. <laughs> Give me that FaceTime. <laughs> so, um, and we've all seen the rotted out floor of a sink-based cabinet, too, especially yeah. when it's made out of particle board. Um, and, and Jeff and I, we were talking this over and we were saying, you know, if, if we built the cabinet and the, the nice plywood that we use for the cabinets and it's, it's pre-finished for the most part for those types of applications, 
it'd have to sit in water for quite a while before it really deteriorated. So I yeah, to I not be able it. to bounce back, you right. know. Right, I don't. It's I see it as a non-issue with something like that that we would build, and if it was like in a super wet area where it was exposed to water and not, you know, just in chance by chance, you know, an accident would occur, then. I suppose I would go with something like that, or I'd probably want to opt to build it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you're really worried, just make the bottom of your cabinet out of storeboard. Yeah. Or ASEC. But here's the caveat. Those materials move a lot. I don't know about HDPE, but uh, something like ASEC moves a lot. So take that into account. Um, Yeah, you're trading uh, insecurities there. Yeah, I mean... Leaks do happen on a sink, but... You know, wipe it up. Yeah. And that plywood will dry out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If it gets, you know... It's pre-finished plywood, so it'll have to run to the back, get down into the dado if you have the back datoed in, and then sit there. But um, I mean, as long as it's not leaking for hours, yeah, you'd figure that it would... I mean, finish both sides especially at the bottom mm-hmm. it's off the floor so there's going to be air under there for it to breathe um that's interesting i well, mean let's say you did how would you how would you integrate it in oh. that's that's what he's asking yeah well i definitely have to go with the you know the face frame yeah. material and everything like that yeah rip the face frame off or get it without one and then essentially it would look like the other cabinets yeah, because we don't build like a sink base and then put a base 18 next to it and a base 24 next to that and a base 36. <laughs> yeah. it, all the face frames are interconnected and the cabinets yeah. are all, you know, already attached to one another. Yeah, it might so. be a 63 and a half inch wide cabinet. Right, or a 98 right, inch cabinet. Right, right, right. Yeah, as, as big as we can make it and get into the house with it and things like that, mm-hmm. we want to... You know, put everything together. It goes, it installs really solid and oh, level. Yeah. And You're not going to have, I mean, when you see these nice inset kitchens and then there's a seam between every style. Right. It's, it's insane. That's the thing that it really does. It, it, it eliminates that double style. Yep. Which is a real uh, killer as far as like the aesthetics. Yeah. All right. Um. This is a pretty apropos question, and it's from Low Country Modern, Loco Modern on Instagram. Uh, Have you guys ever considered doing a collaboration on a project with someone, maybe John Peters? Yeah, I don't know how much we can actually say or if we can say anything, but I just say keep an eye out because we got something coming up. We're actually doing something like that. Who's John Peters? (laughs) He's. He's got um, a honey growing uh, operation. Yes. Yeah, John stopped by. Uh, <laughs> was it last Wednesday? Honey growing. Honey. He's a beekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> Dropped off some more honey. That honey. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. But yeah, we've actually we've had a uh, we've tried to collaborate with John a couple times, um, and things just didn't work out with timing and stuff. Timing with clients. Um, so it's something that we've been pursuing. Um, you know, in conjunction with John for a while now. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about trying to incorporate our buddy Manny, who's a metal fabricator. Yeah. Uh, into some of the jobs because, you know, we we design from scratch. So we do have that that liberty, that freedom. If we can dream it up 
and pitch it to the client, um, you know, we could include just about anything. Yeah. Um, a hundred years ago, I, I found a blacksmith uh, on Michelle Gray's desk. You get, I don't know if you ever saw it. It's has like a, it's a curved desk. And I brought a template to an actual blacksmith who hammered out these hoops and hold the desk together. And that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, so it's fun to collaborate. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm totally open to the idea. Yeah. You have somebody that you think uh, would be a good fit. Reach out to them, reach out to us. We, you know, we're all ears. Yeah. It's usually it's up to the clients finding the, the end user. To pay yeah. For it. Well, I, this I think would be more of like a non-client kind okay. of situation. All right. Yeah. Like somebody that's just building something to build it kind of deal. Okay. Well, we're, we're down to the last question, which is a biggie. Well, well, no, no there's, there's another, another one, one that was too long for me to type out. <laughs> so we missed this question last week. Um, I reached out to Ben this morning. Uh, it just popped into my head the other day. I said, oh, man, we never answered that question about the oh, cabinet yes. saw. So it's a good question. It really made uh, Rob and I think when, when we read it. Why do you guys think the cabinet saw is ubiquitous with wood shops in America? Is it something to do with the cabinets being made in a distinctly different way to how they would be in, say, Europe or Australia, where you would very rarely see a cabinet saw in a professional shop? Or do you think it's more of a case of tradition? Guys who use them in shops they started out in, so when they set up their own, they need, they, sorry, so when they set up their own, they do the same? Or maybe the style of cabinetry means they're better suited, or maybe something completely different altogether. As someone in the UK, I, I always find it interesting how different workshops in America, Canada, etc. look to the workshops over here. That's from Ben Chester and Morris Kitchens on Instagram. That's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to start off, the short answer is we don't know for sure. That's that's for damn sure. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea what they're using in Europe. We have some theories. Yeah. We, we got plenty of opinion. What, what do you think, Ritz? Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know what they're using. Are you telling me that you're using like heavy duty? Like Euro slider. Like what what they got over Tom's shop. Oh, okay. Or like, a you know, a smaller, maybe a smaller version of that. Like a hammer or a felder. Well, I can't believe that that would be the only table so you would find in, in Europe that you wouldn't see a regular cabinet saw, like a palomatic or a, a, a saw stopper, things like that. I'd find that hard to believe that it, that the smaller shops you go to, you wouldn't find that type of setup. Well, they I can have see it in a the lot bigger of shops that, that, that size. size, but set up like a, you know, a yeah, slider. Yeah. Maybe it's just because they're readily available uh, in Europe because mm -hmm. they're made overseas. Yeah, a lot I think those. that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And the same thing, conversely, it's true for the saws we use here. Right. I mean, think of the, think of the biggies. There's the Unisaw, there's Powermatic, and probably before them both was Craftsman. Yeah, and then you have your Tanowitz, your Oliver, right, all those older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generals. Which I... Yorks. Do you, would you call that a cabinet saw? I guess not. No, but they weren't sliders. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of them had... Sliding portions to them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the old Olives did. Yeah, but they were those big cast iron. Yeah, oh, yes. three by three or bigger. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think really, it's basically everything you said here. It has to do with the types of cabinetry in Europe. A lot of it is Euro frameless. That's where the name comes from. Is Euro frameless. Yeah. So they're breaking down primarily sheet stock. 
then edge banding it. Right. So a slider is a great tool to have. Um, here, it's starting to, to change over. Not starting to. I guess it has changed over. Um, a lot of the cab... Mo you get what I'm trying to say. What we're building are frame inset. So we're using a lot of hardwood instead of slab doors and, and just plywood boxes with no face frame. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's a reason why we use a cabinet saw because it's better to use a cabinet saw with, with hardwood, I think. I found it easier because yeah. I, I do have some experience with Euro saws. Um, then what else? I You know, I think we have more um, opportunity to buy wood at a better price. It's more available, you know, than in many European countries. Uh, there's a... Can can people in uh, uh, Britain get cherry, hard cherry, you know? I don't know. They can get Nordic... Uh, yeah, they can get Nordic, Nordic cherry. cherry. They get English, but, English oak. Yeah, English oak. I've used it. I, I think there might be, you know, more forestry going on here. We're, we're cutting down our trees and... We have the, the the wood available to work with it. And yeah, that might have had something to do with why they went to Euro frameless with slab doors and edge banding. And they were ahead of the curve with small cars and all this other stuff. Yeah, and, uh, compared to us. From I mean, something that I've heard is that you know here you think a Euro frameless. I think personally, I think cheap. That's yeah. That's the. Uh, the connotation that I get when I hear that in Europe, it's not that way. No, like people will literally take their cabinets with them if they move. Um, so I don't know. I uh, I don't really know a lot about the situation of these shops in Europe. That's true. Unless I visited one, I never had a chance. Be interesting to go overseas and visit a couple of shops. Yeah, someday. You have to see how they how they do things. Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely right with the availability. Like yeah, you can't. A lot of those Italian. Uh, there's a lot of those Italian names. Uh, SCMI and Minimax, yeah. and I don't know of a place around here where you can go and even see a sliding table saw. Not in, to buy. I mean, no. There used to be a guy in Jersey City that sold used uh, equipment like that. I don't even think he's there anymore. I, I can't even think of what his name was. But he was a big dealer and used uh, used machinery. And you go to Woodcraft or something, they have. And then there was the other place, I don't think they sold, that was on Route 22, Force Machinery. Oh, yeah, I've been to Force. Yeah, I don't know Why if they, they sold, now? I don't know if they sold that kind of stuff either. Those. I was saying, I don't think you can even go anywhere around here and see, you know, like a showroom right. to see a, a Felder or a Altendorf. The only time we'd seen him were at those small woodworking shows. Um, yeah, I, I'd been to four several times. They had a couple of um, manufacturers. Jet was one of the biggies they pushed up there. Um, so they didn't have anything. And a lot like what we have is sort of what they push on a, a small shop. You know, a cabinet saw yeah. with a sliding accessory. I think for uh, for what we do, this is the best. Yeah, it gives us the good all around. Doesn't take up a big footprint. Yeah, I mean, for one of those, uh, like when we worked at Tom's shop, you know, that table saw took up basically eight by sixteen feet. I didn't even like using it except to break down plywood. Right, right. That's, That's what I was going to say. It for. It's great for breaking down plywood. Right. 
That saw was in shambles and not very accurate. And Tom tried to tell me that the way that I was tuning up the saw was, you know, the five cut method is not as good as the two cut method, apparently. Um, figure that out. Oh, and I haven't even finished with this one yet. Yeah, I'm right. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I would love to have a Euro style saw here if we had the space. Again, yeah. go back to Tobacco Barn. If I had a 50 by 100 shop, you better bet that I'm going to have a Euro oh, you yeah. know, saw there, too, and two cabinet saws or more. Oh, yeah. Um, but for what we do, we got we to gotta have the best all-around machine, I think. This is, yeah. this is the best. Yeah. It's not I, comfortable for me to, to rip hardwood and stuff on a slider. Yeah, I don't like it. You, you can't get in the right position. No. Maybe a small one, because I haven't used one of the small ones. Yeah. But a big uh, saw made for breaking down plywood... Not really good for that finesse sort of. No, it's got that huge 14-inch blade. 16-inch blade. Oh, God. Oh, forget it. So uh, that was a good food for thought. Yeah. Raised more questions than answers. I, I'm curious to see what Ben uh, thinks. I guess he kind of told us with, with all the questions he posed. Yeah, if you have any answers to questions that we just posed in our ignorance of the Eurosaw, let us know. Yeah, yeah. So this next one, I'm going to have to break out my phone. I got this email. There goes my cap. It's gone. I got this email, I want to say last night, from Benjamin Ankerholtz. Let's see. He's scrolling through the email. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I got it last night. Hi, guys. First of all, I have really enjoyed your podcast and hearing all of your stories. It is a show I really look forward to every week. I got turned on to you all through John Peter's channel and the shop tour he did. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I wanted to ask a follow-up question from episode 14. The question was, have any of you attended a formal woodworking education or apprenticeship? My question is, if you were ever in a position to hire an additional person in the shop, would you ever hire someone who came from a different field? Let's say they were a hobby woodworker, sincerely enjoyed home renovation projects, and were looking for a career change. Being that you guys all started in other fields, what would you look for in a candidate now that you are professional woodworkers? What would the person need to show? What would the person need to show you in a resume or in sample work to be considered if you would ever entertain the idea? My question stems from my personal experience. I'm a 43-year-old hobby woodworker who has worked in property management, some light remodeling years ago and have updated all of the homes our family has lived in and really enjoyed the process. I graduated from high school in a time where trades were not considered to be a desirable career path. Uh, so any time yeah, in the last... <laughs> Ever? Yeah. Uh, I went to art school, earned a degree in graphic design slash visual communications, and have worked in printing for most of my professional career. Three years ago, the printing plant I worked at was shut down by the parent company and operations moved to another state. I live in a small town in southern Minnesota, and that plant was the main employer in the area. I have had the desire to learn a trade ever since I started updating my own homes. I sincere, sincerely wanted to learn finished carpentry. I feel like it is part of fine woodworking and part of construction, and that really appealed to me. I can relate to that. Um, I have always had to count on a certain pay range to keep the family going, but after my layoff, I really wanted to do something other than printing. I tried to apply at cabinet shops for entry-level positions, 
I also tried applying at a really cool rustic furniture slash cabinet shop as I thought I might stand a chance since I really enjoy rustic items. I submitted my resume, cover letter, sample sheets, and application and could and really could not get any reply from anyone. I followed up with phone calls several times, all the while being hopeful that if I could just talk to someone and they could see that I really wanted to do this, that it would make the decision of hiring someone who has no formal work history in the field a little easier. I understand businesses have to move products quickly and at the lowest cost to gain the greatest return. However, with interest in the trades on the decline, wouldn't someone who really wanted to make the career shift and showed a genuine interest in the trade be an asset? It is frustrating watching the same shops I applied to constantly hire over and over again for the same positions that I applied for. Needless to say, I am still printing and at my age, I see that my window to do something in the woodworking field is closing. Well guys, thanks again for your work. Thanks again for the work you do, and I am so happy that I came across you guys. Keep it up. Stay safe. Happy holidays. Sincerely, Ben Ankerholtz at Blacktail Artisan Works on Instagram. Cool. Really, really good question. Can you read that again? (laughs) My mouth is so dry. I lost track. Well, one thing I got to tell you, if you see those companies that are putting the same ads in, uh, for the same position, there's a problem with that company. Yeah, you yep. don't want to work there. No, yeah. they're, they're, the turnover is bad like that. Then, uh, then there's a problem with those with those companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, consider yourself lucky they didn't hire you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what the what the workload is over or what the uh, the economy is over in your area. Have you ever tried? Uh, Working for a uh, a construction company or a uh, a carpenter that does a yeah. lot of uh, you'll get to learn the, the some of the uh, low ends of the trade of, of doing being a carpenter, but you'll also pick up on a lot of things, especially if you're fixing your own house. Uh, a carpenter is going to teach you a lot of the basic stuff uh, as being a carpenter, and who knows, maybe he'll say that. You got some great ideas, and now I'm let you do some finish work too. So yeah. I think you might be better off going that route instead of looking for a wood shop, because I'm as I said, you I've seen these ads in the paper many a time. Even on Woodweb, it's the same companies that are looking for the same job, and I'm thinking to myself, God, they can't find anybody in five years of looking of posting that same ad. So something's wrong there. Yeah. That's almost what you did, Jeff. Like you went from one. Yeah, trade. I didn't have uh, aspirations to even uh, be where I am now. I I picked up work, which I thought was going to be temporary. Yeah. Um, and then you know eventually my my uh, goals developed. Uh, but yeah, I went from a laborer to a finished carpenter to a cabinet maker to you know being here at Green Street. Um. The thing is, you know, it's going to be tough at 43. You're going to have to take a, if you want to get into a carpentry position, you're going to have to take, because essentially they're going to say that you have basically no experience, even though you do have some experience, you know, in your own homes, they're going to take that basically as none, unfortunately. Um, You're going to have to take a low paying position, unfortunately, for a little while. For a lot of while. Yeah. I mean, I. That it's one of those things where if you find the right company and you can prove your worth, you will get get a raise. Um, you know, it's going to take a year, two years, and you're going to have to work your way up. But there is a there's a pay ceiling in these jobs. That's what 
Um, what really kicked me in the ass and made me get a job in a cabinet shop was I always had aspirations after, after the first year or so to, you know, I thought to myself, man, I would really love to have like my own cabinet shop and do built-ins and stuff like that. Um, so I always aspired to do that. But what really put a, a flame under my ass was the fact that I hit the pay ceiling within, you know, four years of being at my job because I had well surpassed the people that had been there for 20 or 30 years and there, my wage was never going to get any higher. It was already as high as it was going to go. Uh, there's only so much money that these guys can pay you or think that they can pay you. Because um, they're selling that trim job for a certain price. The market's right. set already. Yeah, and there's a lot of market saturation and a lot of people doing it for really cheap. And, and as we know, the clients aren't always the most uh, perceptive of the differences in quality. Right. There's um, caulk and paint guys that are just yeah, you know, blasting that stuff out. In reference to your question about would we hire someone that didn't have direct experience, I actually, in my experiences, the people that I've worked best with and have done the best didn't have any experience. Um, maybe those are um, rare examples, but I mean, I'm yeah. totally, I would totally be open to the idea. Yeah, I, I, I could probably speak to this. Um, fairly directly I, I'll say that the, from the shop's position they have to pay an inexperienced person to come up to speed and so it's a it's a loss as far as the money goes so the risk on the cabinet shop is I'm going to hire this guy even at a low even at the lowest possible pay he can take I'm losing money because I'm losing time with this guy. I have to teach him. And then I have to risk him taking his skills that I paid to have him develop and take them somewhere else because I, he might just view me as a stepping stone. Yeah, and that's why you see low wages and a, um, a hesitance to, to teach and give out any real mm -hmm. responsibility. They're gonna have right. you sweeping the shop. Exactly. And, the, the few people I've hired um, back before we formed Green Street, none of them had any experience. And like Jeff, I preferred it that way because um, they didn't have any bad habits to unlearn. And like every small shop, we're all going to have our own ways of doing things. So I didn't want to get involved in having to tell somebody, yeah, that'll work, but I prefer to do it this way. And... That way we can keep things streamlined, still going. No bad habits to break. Right. So I look for all the things that don't really appear on a resume that you can't teach someone. We can teach somebody the woodworking skills. You can't teach somebody to be punctual. You can't teach somebody to show enthusiasm. You can't teach somebody to... Um, be well-spoken. Yeah, polite take direction. These are all skills that you either, you know, have developed through your life and working or you didn't. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's something that would be a complete deal breaker for me. Yeah. I mean, from the sound of it, Benjamin sounds like a great candidate. Exactly. He, he could come to work here, except we couldn't afford to pay him because what was happening is we couldn't afford to train you. Benjamin is really it. Yeah. You'd have to pay us to come to work for us. And that's the only way we could make it happen. And so 
that's part of the the difficulty in finding a position for somebody like that. Yeah. I'd say your best bet might be start a little side gig and then try and, you know, develop your skills there mm-hmm. and then try and break out on your own. You, you know, you may be a hard sell to an employer, unfortunately, you know, yeah. as, as bad as that sounds. I hate to be yeah, a defeatist. I think, but and I think it's, it's the age is the biggest. I wouldn't be opposed to the age. I mean, I think well, we're, I think we're a little different view. than most other. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Um, but it. The the economics just aren't there, even for a legitimate shop. If they're going to take on an apprentice, then there's probably going to be a contract involved because, you know, they're not going to invest in you uh, without some return. Yeah. Um, Maybe see if you can pick up some part-time work. Yeah. Then you're not worried about how much you're getting paid. Um, you know, bust your ass there. Try and get on the, the full-time staff. You know, yeah. then you can maybe get a, a bump in the pay because you've showed that, you know, look, I've been here for six months working one day a week or coming in on Saturdays, whatever. Um, so it's a good way to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing is that it's a rare shop where you're going to get to do a lot of creative work and work at your own pace. Really rare. So when you're fixing your own house, you're experiencing a lot of the best parts of woodworking and when you go to work in a cabinet shop somebody's going to be asking you when are you going to be finished with that job and it's going to be a lot of rote work and it i think you might have a misperception over what that job really is yeah so (laughs) you know what keep doing it when you can build up your own home shop Develop your love and your skills and keep that income coming from printing. And maybe one day you'll, you know, have the freedom to to do something on your own terms. Yeah. Dip a toe in. Don't don't yeah. dive in head first. Yeah. But that that was a great question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry we couldn't be really that positive. Well, we positive for yeah, you. Yeah, it, it wasn't I that I feel negative. bad for your uh your situation. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to be tough. Yeah, but and you know these kind of shops are. There. It's a dying breed, so it's getting harder it and harder to find these kind of jobs. There's no, you know, there's no more uh, Ethan Allen factory where no. they're making actual real furniture. That's it. So we come back to the thoughts on the beer of the week. We're we're on the the final lap. Yeah, yeah. Samuel Smith Pure Brewed Organic Lager Beer. Yeah. Flavorful lager brewed only from the purest ingredients, organic malted barley, organic hops, yeast, and water. I like it. Yep. What'd you guys think? I liked it. was it. good. I liked it. I'd like to say what it was, how it tasted on tap. I tell you, yeah. just, tap beer is, is so much different than, yeah. than bottled beer because I think how long it sits around uh, in the stores, whether it's sitting warm, mm-hmm. then it's cold, then it's warm and it's cold. But this wasn't that bad. Usually, you can tell a beer when it's skunky when it sits around too long. Yeah, this well, this, this has a date on it, doesn't it? Or does it? Yeah, I have to put my glasses on. No, I don't think so. I don't see one. It says uh, Samuel Smith is a small independent UK brewery. They brew it cold, like your favorite beer, Coors. Yeah. Well, it's a lager. It has to be. Yeah. It's only five percent alcohol by volume. That's what makes a lager a lager. 
The lagering is no, it's cold. It's cold, it's a cold fermentation. Oh, cool. It only ferments at a. I won't tell you the exact uh, temperature because I'm not sure, but that's a, an ale is a warm fermented beer and a lager is a cold oh. fermented beer. Yeah, it says here before the days of refrigeration, lager was matured in underground caves. Yep. Look at that. Very nice. I enjoyed it. And, and this is good for an organic beer. Yeah. So I liked it. Three thumbs up, would yep. you say? Oh, yeah. For Samuel Smith, Old Brewery, Tad Caster. Bravo. Right. We got our tool of the week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, as always, tool of the week will be down in the description. On our website, we have a... Uh, page with some affiliate links so if you buy something there we'll get a couple uh, couple cents off of that we have of course our instagram our youtube patreon you can support us there if you'd like we'd appreciate it if you did um and we're going to shout out our gold tier patreons david murphy manny siriani and eric without a last name that's all right madonna yeah Cher. no last name there that's true pink Maybe we'll talk about the your Prince, your Madonna Prince. your Madonna uh, thing in the Patreon <laughs> after show. Yeah. So after this, we'll have our uh, you know approximately thirty minute after show. Yeah. If you want to watch that, head over to our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna talk about Madonna and Rob and how they are connected. Yeah. <laughs> However tenuous that may be. <laughs> Six degrees. We'll leave yeah. it vague. <laughs> Well, well, everybody, yeah, everybody have a nice holiday. Yeah. Have a good Christmas. Yeah. Happy yeah. Festivus. Stay safe. Yeah, we won't together with your families. Just be careful. Yeah. Thanks a lot, UK. We got some crazy uh, contagious coronavirus over here. Yeah. Now, apparently. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, come on, 2021. Yeah. All right, be well out there. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>